0: Before we begin, I need to make an important note that the content and context of this episode is primarily focused on the dynamics within heterosexual parenting relationships, as much of my experience in this field thus far has been working with heterosexual couples. Welcome to the Nest and Nurture podcast. I'm your host and psychotherapist, Lisha Cash. Now let's get this therapy session started. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode is for all of my default parents. The parent that is the go to for the day to day, the emotional stuff, the little stuff, and the big. Whatever it is, there's an underlying understanding that you are the default for that specific circumstance. So, if you saw the title and decided to listen to this, maybe you've felt this way for a long time. Maybe you've just recently begun to notice. Maybe you're just about to enter into parenthood and are curious about what this is all about. Maybe you're shaking your head, listening and saying, no way, my partner and I are equals. Or maybe you aren't even quite sure what this means. Well, buckle up, because if you're in a relationship where the default parent doesn't exist, then maybe you're a unicorn in a solid co-parenting relationship that is equal balance between both partners. And we are all for that life. That's the dream, people. But if you've heard of this and have experienced being the default parent, you're not alone. Let's dive in. Now, this is a pretty big topic, so I decided to break it down into two parts. This week, we're going to focus on what default parenting is and how we get into this space. And next week, we're going to talk about some tools and some things to think about to move through and find some more balance. I feel it's safe to assume since the beginning of time that there has been an imbalance between partners, and especially when it comes to child rearing. However, I would argue that with shifts in societal expectations surrounding motherhood and women's roles within society, the perception of the imbalance has shifted. I'll repeat that. The perception of the imbalance has shifted. Back when women were often participating in the traditional role of motherhood, it was likely assumed by societal standards that this was the norm. It was often the fundamental structure of the family that one parent would be more involved with the children than the other, and overwhelmingly that parent was the mother. During that time, it was almost explicitly expected, almost like a silent child-rearing agreement. Or not so silent because I mean have you seen the ads from the 50s if you haven't google it nowadays given movement and strides in regards to women in the workforce and what motherhood should look like we have seen a slight shift in these explicit expectations of the role of women in motherhood although one can argue that both scenarios may be equally distressing It almost seems to be harder to navigate these dynamics in the present day as it's not explicitly identified and very much individualized. The absence of concrete expectations may lead to confusion, silent struggles, and less awareness that an imbalance exists within the co-parenting relationship. Essentially, having the ability to break out of the traditional motherhood role creates ambiguity around what exactly our role as a mother looks like and potentially blurs the lines surrounding who is responsible for various aspects of child rearing, especially when all of the balls in the air are important. While trying to navigate all of that, we also have to acknowledge that traditional societal expectations are still very much ingrained in this generation of mothers. Perhaps we were raised by these ideals and have innate tendencies to abide by the traditional aspects of these roles. So we have this weird balance between wanting to break out of the traditional expectations while also assuming responsibility for child rearing out of cultural expectations ingrained in our psyche. So you might still be wondering, what is a default parent? And I'm sure there are many varying definitions and perspectives on what this looks like. I would dare to say that each person defines what a default parent may look like based on their own context and circumstances. For some, it might look like being the parent responsible for all things related to child rearing, even down to the smallest detail. The one that's there when children require emotional support, the one who manages pick up or drop-offs, the one who plans play dates, the one who organizes the logistics, the one who packs the bags, the one who keeps all the calendars up to date, the assumed one to take the day off work if there is a need, the one to take care of sick children, the one to plan birthday parties, pack lunches, pick out clothing for school, a combination of big things and a bunch of little things. Does that sound like you? I must also note that we saw this become amplified in the pandemic. I'm sure you're nodding, right? (laughs) Who felt a little bit more stressed out about being parents during the pandemic? If someone had a presumably more important job, and I'm doing air quotes with important than the other, the parent that was assumed to have the more flexible job would be the default to have the children home with them or manage the homeschooling scenarios. This was similar in regards to children coming home sick or a parent putting their career on the sidelines until things changed. This was either heightened or reduced when the co-parent was working from home. For instance, sometimes partners who are working from home may have been able to offer more balance by helping out a little bit, maybe more so than they could have done when they were working outside of the home. On the other hand, for some parents, The partner may not have been able to offer any support, and it almost felt like they were even more inaccessible than before because they were extremely close in proximity, but emotionally and physically absent. I want to be clear, both co-parents have varying feelings about these experiences. I'm sure if you talk to your partner, you would have Contrasting opinions about certain aspects of this dynamic. I know that parents who work a lot and are often absent for little things that the default parent experiences likely feel they would like to be more available. They would like to be more involved. They'd like to have more time that this parent gets to have. They'd like to have more time as a parent. And there may be some feelings of guilt surrounding these experiences and their absence. The important piece here is the awareness of both experiences and the acknowledgement that being the default parent, regardless of how much one might wish they could do more, is a heavy weight to carry. When I think about the imbalance that's often present in co-parenting relationships, I like to visualize the scale of justice. So we're looking at both sides and we're waging the weight and we can see one up and one down and that's fluctuating. So there are various seasons and phases in our life where one partner gets the heavier weight than the other. It also might be circumstantial and occur simultaneously. For example, when on parental leave, we would expect the child-rearing scale to be drastically heavier for the parent who is home with the children than the other who is at work. Whereas the financial scale is much heavier for the breadwinner of the family than the parent who is at home with the children. Both are heavy weights to bear, both require acknowledgement and appreciation, but we often struggle when one of these areas is identified as more important than the other. In a healthy partnership, we do our best to share the load. Rather than place more emotional weight on what we are carrying, we acknowledge the space our partners are also in and aim to relieve some of their load to balance it out more. So perhaps one parent who is at home looks for grocery sales to assist with the financial balance while the other parent comes home and takes the children to the park to give their partner some alone time after a long day. The scale is able to shift slightly by simply noticing and acknowledging the other person's load. Noticing when they need a break, They seem to be having a more challenging time, they have a shorter fuse, have anxiety creeping in, or are feeling down. A partner may try to lift their spirits and bring them out of that space, or leave them to cultivate their own space and pick up some of the practical tasks that add to the never-ending to-do list. We call this the silent mental load. Within a healthy co-parenting partnership, we can find moments where we see and acknowledge that our partner is pulling their weight and more. However, there are times when we feel that they are not. And those times are a doozy. Those times amplify marital dissatisfaction. Those times build resentment. Those times make partners bitter. Those times are not good times. But generally speaking, parents of children under the age of six and and over the age of six too, of course, are in a challenging season of life. These instances when co-parents experience imbalance create amplified feelings of disconnect, lack of appreciation, resentment, and hardship. Why? Well, when I meet with clients, I always like to delve into all aspects of their life. I want to basically know as many details as I can to help them start to navigate the ways in which we can create change so they can start feeling better. A lot of the time, my clients with partners will say how great they are in certain aspects of their relationships and if they have children, certain aspects of their parenting. A lot of the time, my clients with partners will say how great they are in certain aspects of their relationships. They will have an easy time identifying the things that they do well, how they help out, how they're their primary support person, and that they're very helpful in many ways, that they do things to help support the household and their great parent. At times, I feel they want me to know this so that when they do share some of the things that make them upset or that they're carrying with them, that I know how great their partner is too. They're protecting their loved one from judgment. And in my role, I try to be very clear that I don't judge. I can only imagine how much their partner does for the family. And I think it's great that they acknowledge this and they are aware of these things. It creates balance with that simple awareness. Then I shift it to what is impacting you right now? What is making you feel like you need support? What has you feeling down? Worried, burnt out, sad, have a short fuse feel overwhelmed, etc. There's something lingering in the background and I refer to this as white noise. This internal dialogue of all the things we are carrying, that load, which sometimes includes all of the things our partner isn't doing and how it impacts us every day. At times, this background noise can create feelings of helplessness or hopelessness. Thoughts like, this is just how my life is right now and I can't do much about it. We can either reframe this thought as, It won't be this way forever, or we can say, okay, that is understandable, but what can we do to try to make things shift, even the slightest bit, so you're not carrying around these feelings with you? Often, one of the indicators that you're potentially the default is noticing how often you ask for permission to do something, whether it be going to the washroom, having a shower, going upstairs, going downstairs, going outside, simply leaving the room. Because you're generally the one who keeps an eye on things, you feel like if you do not let your absence be known, perhaps your partner will not know that they're responsible for taking care of the children in that moment. However, the default parent generally believes that their kids are their responsibility, regardless of if their partner is present or not. This is a tricky one because part of it is just an instinct that kicks in for moms to say, okay, I want to keep my kids safe. I want to make sure my partner knows that they're in the room and that I'm no longer in the room. But imagine if you didn't have that impulse. Imagine if you just knew that eyes would be on the kids regardless if you were in the room or not. Do you ask for permission to go to the bathroom? (laughs) Or do you just inform people that you're going to the bathroom? Think about it. Being the default parent also means we are often the ones asking for help when we need it. And that can be extremely challenging for someone who is used to or hopes to keep all of those balls up in the air by themselves. Some find it very challenging to ask for help. It almost feels paralyzing to step into that kind of vulnerability This may be a result of core beliefs, personality traits, or learned behaviors that have been reinforced throughout our lives. It may also be a fear of perception, such as what others might think of you if you need help. Perhaps people often say things like, Susan does it all, she's super mom. And the thought of simply letting go and letting down that perception can feel really heavy. This may be coupled with the fact that one might feel they're asking for help will burden the other person, which is often not the case, but prevents us from doing so. And perhaps maybe even you've asked for help, you've been vulnerable and you've gone there and someone has given you a response that didn't feel very good. And that really creates those barriers and putting up those boundaries around asking for help again. There are a multitude of reasons why some might struggle to ask for help. But being the default parent makes us responsible for those conversations, for us to reach out to the additional support we may need, and this can make us feel uncomfortable and add to the emotional load we are already carrying. Another barrier that many women take responsibility for and partners also reinforce in their mindset is that women do it better. They are more fit for this role. The child rearing goes more smoothly with a mother's touch. They are great at the emotional regulation piece. They ensure everyone is set up for success, that all of the logistics are sorted, and the most effective and efficient systems are in place. Moms really can do it all. And I mean, I know, we know, like I always say to my clients, you can literally do it all. I know you can, but at what cost? And it also comes down to an instinctual conversation. Sometimes people insert that mothers are just more nurturing and it's part of their genetic composition and mindset to rear better than males. And I just don't think this is true. I really don't. I think that men have an equal opportunity to be this parent just as much as women but it's ingrained in our systemic value system and reinforced for decades. And sometimes there's not enough space for our partners to integrate themselves or they don't make the effort to integrate themselves, which then perpetuates the issues. Our partners do not get or prevent themselves from getting the opportunity to develop the skill or confidence to be the default parent in certain aspects of our children's lives that is societal, ingrained in circumstance, and reinforced by various dynamics that are present within the family system. But when we hit our limit as the default parent, it's important to scale back and determine why isn't this working for everyone? Why do I feel resentful? Why do I feel like I'm the only one that can do this right now? Why do I feel isolated in this experience? What are the barriers to accessing this support? And I'm not talking about blaming yourself, but I really want you to peel back the layers and say, have I allowed the space, have I accepted the space for my partner to come in and do the work, to offer support, to develop the skill and confidence, to be the default parent from time to time? And then ask, has my partner made an effort, shown interest, tried to become engaged? tried to infiltrate that system, and become the default parent? So these are two really big questions. And you may not have the answers right away, but it's an important thing to think about. We're coming to the end of the first part of this podcast episode. So I wanted you to have a good understanding of what the default parent is, how we end up in these dynamics, and to take away this thought of, am I perpetuating these societal expectations? Is my partner perpetuating these societal expectations? Is my support network perpetuating these expectations? Because it's often, if we have these perceptions, we might see it within our support system, perhaps our parents and how their dynamics worked and how your partner's parents' dynamics work and how they communicate that with you as co-parents. So really starting to look at that support piece, really looking at your societal expectations of motherhood, parenting, co-parenting, your partner, and teasing out if there's any instances where you have noticed that you have a mindset of, I wish he would help more, but if he did, I probably wouldn't be satisfied with that. And saying, okay, what little things can we give him or her, whoever the default parent is, That will allow the space for them to develop confidence so that you can start getting some breaks in between. We have to allow the space. And then taking a moment to say, does my partner seem interested? What are the barriers to that? Communication, start talking about it. Those are all things to just think about. In our next episode, I'm going to give you concrete tasks to kind of navigate this process of determining if you're the default parent as well as developing awareness of how it ebbs and flows within circumstances so it's not necessarily concrete where you're like oh but my partner picks up the slack in the finances and I pick up the slack in the child rearing that's totally fine but we want to start breaking it down to say okay what's the awareness of all of the pieces there So that we can find some balance. And then we are going to move into figuring out what our expectations look like. Do we need a shift in our expectations? And the last part of our next podcast episode is going to be talking about appreciation. And with all of these things in place, we can start navigating more about the default parent and what it means. But also the ways we can start shifting in order to get some balance. So I hope that you found this podcast episode helpful. And as always, this podcast does not serve as a replacement for therapy. If you feel you need some additional individual support or would benefit from couples counseling, please reach out to a therapist for professional therapeutic support. I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please tune in next week to hear part two where we talk more about default parenting. And in case someone hasn't already told you today, you are amazing. Take care. Bye-bye.